Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello and welcome into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can find all of my work over at milehighsports.com or on my Twitter page at TJ McBride MBA. The Nuggets just got off of beating the Toronto Raptors 106-103 in Toronto where the Nuggets really just... They took it at the Raptors in their own house. Things got close late, but overall, the Nuggets were the better team in this game. Their defense was phenomenal top to bottom once again. They only had one quarter, which they allowed 30 or more points. And Denver led by as many as 12 points and were really just battling from start to finish. We're going to get into a whole lot that happened in this game. Um, We'll talk about Nikola Jokic getting back to being one of the best offensive players in basketball. I mean, he had one of those games where he was just lights out. He could do whatever he wanted. He finished the game with 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 15 assists for his second triple-double of the season, the 18th of his career, and was just spectacular. He was a team high plus 15 in 35 minutes tonight, only missed five of his 13 shots and just looked great from the floor. Um, We'll get into Gary Harris getting hurt. We'll also talk about who could fill in for him, what the issue looks like it'll be and what the the path from here on out is going to be for him to figure out the severity of the injury that he is dealing with. And like I said, we'll talk about who the Nuggets could put into um, Gary Harris's starting role as well. And we'll get into all those little nuanced intricacies as well. Um, We'll also talk about how the Nuggets depth just continues to be one of their strongest points. Um, Their wing depth in in particular, especially with Will Barton and Gary Harris being out. And then we'll also talk about how Jamal Murray put up a very strong stat line and found different ways to produce, but he continually keeps reverting back into certain ways that he struggles as a player. And I want to talk about what those struggles are and how maybe he can pull out of it. Um, The Nuggets are now on a six-game winning streak. They are the best team in the Western Conference in terms of record. They are now beating some of the best teams around the NBA, and they're proving to everybody that they're a team to be reckoned with. We're going to get into all of those things as well, as well as take some Twitter questions from all of the loyal listeners. So before we get into all of that, let me just give you one quick word from our sponsors over here at Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are 
are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. Let's dive into everything from the Nuggets. 106 to 103 win from the Raptors. Also, quick little, um, I guess, warning or disclaimer. For some reason, my desk chair has turned into the squeakiest chair in existence. So if you randomly hear a ton of squeakiness, that is 100% my fault and not you going crazy and not your headphones messing up or anything like that. My chair is just brutal for some reason right now. Um, let's just get into Nikola Jokic because, again, this was just an... It was a spectacular performance top to bottom. He had 10 assists in the first half alone, finished the game with 23 points on 8 of 13 shooting, only took 1-3 tonight. I think that's very interesting because I think that it shows that he was forcefully playing down into the paint and really kind of asserting himself and being the threat that Will Barton has talked about him being. Um, he was 7 of 8 from the free throw line, had 11 rebounds, 4 of which were offensive, and then 15 assists against just 2 turnovers. And then he even threw in two steals for good measure. He was a game-high plus 15 in 35 minutes, and he was the catalyst for the Nuggets tonight. I went back through and tracked all of his assists, and overall, Nikola Jokic accounted for 58 of the Nuggets' 106 points. That's over half of their points came from just Nikola Jokic's passing and from his own individual scoring. Um, in addition to that, this was his second triple-double of the season and the 18th of his career. According to basketball reference, there has only been one other center to have 18 or more triple-doubles in their career, and that is Wilt Chamberlain, who has 53. That's insane. He just passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had 17 triple-doubles in his career. But in terms of pure centers, Nikola Jokic has the has the second most triple-doubles, and he's only played three years and about 20 ga- 23 games right now. That's how fast he is flying up this leaderboard in terms of um, overall triple-doubles for a center. I went a step further, and I was curious what it would take for Nikola Jokic to catch Wilt Chamberlain and his 50 53 triple doubles and it came out to about 736 more games which is between 9 and 10 more NBA seasons if Nikola Jokic stays on this trajectory which is absolutely possible I mean eight you know nine ten more years that only puts him as a 14 year veteran he'll be about 35 years old 34 years old at that point that is absolutely within the realm of possibility and there's a lot of reasons to say that that Nikola Jokic is just getting better so that is not off the board even more to talk about Nikola Jokic's historic night is that he is the only center in the past 20 years to have 50 to have 15 or more assists in a single game and he has three of such games in three years and change of basketball being played already 
Nikola Jokic is a historically transcendent passer at his position. There is no other way to frame that. He is that good. He is that impactful. And you saw it tonight with him with him, you know, accounting for 58 of Denver's 106 points. That's LeBron James type stuff. That is superstar kind of production. And Nikola Jokic did it seemingly without breaking a sweat. The passes he were throwing, they were just like magic. Like, you can't not see Magic Johnson when you watch him pass the basketball. He's not magic in every other sense of the word. But in terms of his the, the pizzazz and the flash and the swag surrounding the way that he facilitates the basketball, it is so reminiscent of Magic Johnson. And then you, know, you start getting the Arvidas Sabonises and the Bill Russells and the Bill Wall. Waltons and there are so many players that he compares to that are historically great basketball players. And at the effortless ability in which Jokic is able to accomplish these feats, it's just mesmerizing. It's absolutely mind-boggling. It's hard to watch Nikola Jokic do this, see how easy he makes it look, and then look at these numbers in historical context. Because this is these are some of the most incredibly difficult feats for a center to pull off ever in NBA history, and he's doing it at a very young age, and he's doing it at an effortless sense. So... Overall, just a spectacular game from Nikola Jokic. It is so good to see him back to his classical version of himself. To see him shoot 60% from the field. To see him be the best plus-minus on the team. To see the assists all the way up at 15. And to see him getting four offensive rebounds. That is a quintessential Nikola Jokic game. And it looked phenomenal tonight. I, it was it was incredible to watch him do this. There are so many adjectives that I am using. But I, I don't know how else to get out the way that I felt about his performance. It was that incredible to watch, and he just continues to get better and better. If the Nuggets are going to start getting this version of Nikola Jokic more often, the Western Conference is, they need to be they need to be very, very scared of this Denver Nuggets team because he continually puts them on the map as one of the most dangerous teams in the entire NBA, not even just the Western Conference. Even with Nikola Jokic having such a dumbfounding game as he had, there's always good with the bad, and unfortunately for Gary Harris, the bad tonight was him getting hurt again. Um, when he was originally ruled out, it was with a hip injury, and it came out very quick after he had left the game. So it was around the second quarter. No one had really noticed that Gary Harris had left the game for an injury. You saw him kind of pull up at one point after trying to attempt a layup on the right side of the rim where he kind of reached for his groin area. But the report came out that it was a hip issue. So after the game, Michael Malone is asked about it. And Malone calls it a groin issue and says that they don't know the severity of it yet. From that point forward, Harrison Wind of BSN Denver reported that Gary Harris will be getting an MRI in the morning to find out the extent of that injury. All I know is that Gary Harris just must just be so frustrated because he just battled through an ankle injury to finally get back on the court after missing six days with that. And then after a game and, and, and basically a quarter, after five quarters, he is right back to hurt once again um i'm not sure what is going to happen with gary harris hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this podcast there is more information that has come to light but i have not heard even a whisper of what the of what the nuggets think that, that this injury may be or how severe it may be it really sounds like everybody's just wasting waiting on those testing results um so let's talk about who's going to fill in for Gary Harris. Let's just start with in the, in the starting lineup. So 
in my opinion, it's likely going to be Tory Craig, just because Tory Craig has been the one that Michael Malone has relied on and trusted in these circumstances, going back to even last year. When Gary Harris hurt his ankle and missed the last, whatever it was, eight, nine games of the season, um, it was Tory Craig who started in his spot, so I would not be surprised if Michael Malone stuck with that exact same lineup and went with him. Um, Malik Beasley, who we'll talk about in a little bit when I get to the Nuggets' depth, is probably the next person in line. He has just been phenomenal but it seems like Michael Malone likes his spot in the rotation and doesn't want to mess with it too much or put the pressure on Malik Beasley of being a starter um People have brought up the idea of starting Monte Morris. I think that's the least likely scenario here, and it's not because Monte does not deserve it. I think Michael Malone would feel much better about playing Torrey Craig there, specifically because Torrey Craig has been basically the very, very end-of-the-bench player that's the one step higher than the garbage time minutes type of individuals. So inserting Torrey Craig into the starting lineup, it allows your rotation to stay virtually the exact same beyond it. So the bench unit's the exact same. The Nuggets starters are the same without, without the exception of Torrey Craig. So you don't have to start mixing and matching and Frankensteining together a whole new rotation just to allow Monte Morris to start. Plus, Monte Morris has this Nuggets bench unit for the, you know, the most of the time, not, not so much against Toronto, but for the majority of the season has this bench unit just humming. So I don't see a reason to take him out of that bench lineup if you don't have to. So for me, it does not seem like it probably at least likely to be Monte Morris, maybe Malik Beasley if, if Michael Malone wants to reward him, but more likely Torrey Craig, who he has trusted in the past. Next thing that I want to get into is actually how deep the Nuggets have been, especially with all the injuries that they have dealt with, specifically on the wings. So Will Barton has been hurt for the majority of the year, as everybody knows. Um, Isaiah Thomas has not been there, and Gary Harris has been in and out of the lineup. So because of that, the Nuggets have needed players to step up, specifically Torrey Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Malik Beasley. So far this year, they've done exactly that. I mean... Wancho Hernan Gomez is hitting open threes easily. I mean, he's the Nuggets' best three-point shooter right now. Beyond just hitting open shots off the catch, he is sh suddenly showing a game going towards the rim and scoring at the rim. He's been strong on defense, and he's been a very good offensive rebounder. Against the Raptors, he had 15 points, was 3 of 7 from 3, threw in 5 rebounds, had 2 offensive rebounds, and then had 2 steals as well for good measure, and was, I thought, very good throughout the game. Nikola Jokic seems to very much so enjoy playing alongside Wancho Hernan Gomez, which is why he's been getting this, this starter nod, I think, and his spacing has really allowed things to open up for this Nuggets offense. Um, Torrey Craig, though, has been playing very well as well. He's been st uh, starting in place of Gary Harris whenever he has been injured, and I think the biggest thing that he's brought is, of course, great defense, but offensively, he's been a terrific rebounder on both ends. Um, even against the Raptors, Torrey Craig had eight points on three of four shooting, he hit two threes, had four rebounds, three of which were offensive. He even threw in an assist and a steal for good measure in just 17 minutes. He was great as well. Torrey Craig is finding ways to impact the game, and he always does, and when he can score efficiently and give you a little bit offensively besides just offensive rebounding, it's all just extra because of so many 
because of how many things he brings beyond offensive offensively and in, in, in terms of scoring. He does so many things in terms of hustle stats, in terms of 50-50 balls, in terms of just battling for rebounds and being a pesky defender and things like that. So to get some offensive production from him is a very big deal. And then probably the most impressive of the three of them has been Malik Beasley. He just continues to shine. I mean, he's playing with an absurd amount of confidence right now. Probably the most confidence he's ever played with as, a, as an NBA player. And then his game is just peaking as it is right now. He's stepping into threes with confidence. He's hitting them off the dribble as well as off the catch. He's hitting mid-range pull-ups. He had a, he had, I believe he had two of those in, this, in the game tonight against the Raptors where he just kind of took one dribble into the elbow, popped up, and hit, and hit that jumper. Um, he's getting to the rim and finishing. He's getting out in transition and showing off his athleticism playing above the rim. And then most importantly, he's playing great defense and is just battling. Um, again, against the Raptors, he had a very good game. He had 15 points on 6 of 8 shooting. He closed the game. He was 3 of 3 from the 3-point line, had an offensive and a defensive rebound, threw in an assist, and did not have a turnover. He's been phenomenal. I mean, overall, when Torrey Craig, Walter Hernan Gomez, and Malik Beasley are combining to give you 38 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 steals on 8 of 13 shooting from 3, that is... That is phenomenal. I mean, that is exactly what the doctor ordered with considering how banged up the Nuggets are right now. And if they can continually get at least 80% of that kind of production game by game, they're not going to have to worry about Gary Harris being out for a stretch of time or worry about the fact that Will Barton has not returned yet. They have enough talent beyond them to continue getting exactly what they need and to continue allowing this Nuggets offense and this defense to play at a high level. So highest of highest regards to the Nuggets reserves who have stepped up and been big for this Nuggets team. Next, I want to talk about something a little, bit, a little bit more polarizing, and that's Jamal Murray's play, because if you just looked at a box score, he had a pretty solid game tonight. I mean, 21 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. Anybody would almost take that at any given point on any night. The, what's what's frustrating and what's different about this is that it took Jamal 21 shots to get 21 points, and for his 8 assists, he had 7 turnovers, and... It's maddening because every time you watch him play, he has just these moments of brilliance where you're like, wow, there is such a lethal score within Jamal Murray and within his skill set, and he just hasn't quite figured out the most effective way to unleash it yet. And I don't know what the answer is, and I'm not really going to be able to figure it out until we watch Jamal Murray kind of grow into the player that he is going to ultimately become, but... As of right now, he's more feast and famine than consistency. I mean, he played the most minutes of the night tonight, and again, 21 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. That's a great game. That's a really, really productive game, and the Nuggets needed every little shred of it from him tonight, but it just seems like he's just struggling mentally, and he's passing up open shots, and he's actually passing up open shots, and he's leading them into turnovers because of it, and Whenever Jamal Murray is passing up an open look, there's something going on where he's pressing or he's overthinking in his own head, and it's not necessarily a Jamal Murray thing. He has so much skill and so much potential on this team, and he showed flashes of it. Like He had a couple great wraparound passes, and he looked like a much better facilitator. His defense was strong. I mean, he helped hold Kyle, of Low Kyle Lowry to 1 of 7 from the field and Danny Green 3 of 9. Those two only combined for 
14 points tonight. And then Fred Van Lille only had two points on one of seven shooting. So Jamal Murray is a better defender than he has been. He is a better facilitator than he has been. But overall, it just seems like there is... There's a disconnect between how good he could be, how good he wants to be, and what he's actually putting onto the floor. Again, I don't want this to be a thing where Jamal Murray is bad. That is not what this is. What this is is how can they fine-tune these turnover issues to where Jamal Murray goes from a player who can be great one possession and eradicate the greatness that he had on one possession with a very bad next possession into a player that starts playing less mistake basketball and begins to start building positive momentum that leads him into a better player. Because right now, he's more flash than he is consistency, and it hasn't quite correlated. It's it's on its way. Again, Jamal Murray, I mean, it's not easy to come out and put up 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 8 assists up in your hometown in front of your entire family. But at the same time, it has to be noted that a lot of the Nuggets' issues stem from Jamal Murray struggling with turnovers, specifically live ball turnovers. If he can cut that out of his game, the rest of his issues and his inconsistencies are very much so okay and able to be lived with. It's those turnovers that are crippling for this Nuggets team when they're trying to get on runs. And you saw that in the fourth quarter once again. But again, 21.7 rebounds and 8 assists is a great game. It's just fine-tuning that to make Jamal Murray the best player that he can possibly be because there is so much talent and there is so much possibility within his skill set, especially paired with Nikola Jokic, but Jamal has to get a past some mental hurdles of such to be able to get to that player. And he hasn't been able to yet, but he's so young, but the talent is there. It's just going to be a process until he becomes the player that everybody wants him to be. People forget how long it takes in the NBA to become a very strong, high quality point guard it is the toughest position to learn and it's the toughest transition from college to the nba centers can come in and dominate immediately multi-positional wings can come in and dominate immediately it is so rare that a point guard can come in and just immediately be able to produce at a very high and efficient level it just doesn't happen. So for us to expect Jamal Murray to already have these skills, it's unfair to Jamal Murray. And I've been one of the ones who has been most critical of him. And I think it's important because there is so much more within Jamal Murray that we have yet to see. But we have to be cognizant that this is a 21-year-old kid who is still figuring out the ins and outs of the NBA and the point guard position. And he is getting better and better and better every game. So it just is going to take time. But overall, strong game from Murray that may look a little bit flashier from his stat line than what his actual production entailed, but he was good. It's 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 very hard to argue against 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 8 assists in a total of 40 minutes played. Time for my favorite segment, which is answering Twitter questions from listeners and Nuggets fans alike. Um, I picked, let me see here, I picked six different ones tonight. I got a ton. I appreciate you guys reaching out and answering these questions. I'm going to have to start doing mailbag episodes. If you actually want me to do a mailbag episode, reach out and let me know so I can actually get that set up. I'm not sure if anybody is actually looking for that, but... If you are, I will be able to facilitate for sure. But again, thank you guys so much for reaching out and asking questions. It really helps the show when you do so, so thank you again. 
All right, let's dive in. Uh, Miss Lovechuk on Twitter asked, who should start until Gary Harris comes back? I talked a little bit about this before, but I still think it's pr- – I, I, if it was me, I would start Malik Beasley, and I would slide Torrey Craig into that slot. I totally understand Michael Malone sticking with Torrey Craig, but at the same time, I just like Nikola Jokic with more shooting around him, and Malik Beasley has been a consistent enough shooter to where you can insert him into that lineup and teams have to at least defend him, and he's still – Still gives you a you know at least a similar level of defensive production as well as Tory Craig would. So I would probably start Malik if it was me, but I do expect Michael Malone to go with Tory Craig. Um, thoughts on Malik Beasley's play over the last few games? I have been blown away by how good Malik Beasley has been over the man. It's for most of the season. I mean, overall, Malik Beasley has been as good as you could hope he could have been at this point. I mean, the guy overall this season has been great shooting from three. He's been confident in his play. He's been a very good defender. Finally starting to use his athleticism. I mean, right now he's shooting 37.7% from three on three attempts a game. That's great. And when you can throw in two rebounds, and almost an assist as well on top of that while playing high-level defense. It's hard to be upset with Malik in any way, shape, or form. It really has been probably the most resurgent year of Malik's career, and he's been great. So overall, my thoughts on Malik Beasley's play the past few games, I think he's earned a chance to start um, with Gary Harris out. It's just going to be up to Michael Malone if he wants to mess with the rotation enough to do so. Um FGZO on Twitter asked, Jamal's struggles seem to continue tonight beyond just turnovers. What does he need to do? I talked a little bit about this when I was talking about Jamal Murray earlier in the show, but I do think that Jamal is just pressing a little bit. He feels caught in between trying to be a point guard and trying to be a scoring guard. He hasn't quite found his niche within the Nuggets offense, so and it's been hard for him. because with, with Will Barton and Gary Harris being in and out of the lineup, Will Barton being just out of the lineup, a lot of the ball handling duties have fallen upon his shoulders, especially when Nikola Jokic has not been the same scorer that he has been previously in his career. So as much as Jamal Murray has gotten a lot of flack for his play as a point guard this year, he's been thrust into being essentially the only ball handler in a lot of situations. So... I think for Jamal, he needs to stop overthinking the game. He needs to focus on playing mistake-free, and he needs to get back to being aggressive as a scorer. And I think that his game will start to come back to him, but it's going to take time. I mean, like I said before, it takes a very long time to learn how to be a point guard in the NBA, and Jamal Murray is still just 21 years old, and he was never a strict floor general-type point guard to begin with. So these are skills that he's learning on the fly while trying to carry an playoff hopeful Nuggets team into the promised land for the first time in five years so a lot is resting on his shoulders so it does make sense that a few of his struggles seem to be happening like this but overall he has been he has been an overall positive productive player for this Nuggets team and I don't think that can be argued at this point um Kevin Thompson asked, this is the best win of the year. And in my opinion, yes, hands down, this is the best win of the year. The Raptors are hands down the most, you know, the best team in basketball right now. This was a road win for the Nuggets. This was a, a game that they could have let up on just because this game is not going to count towards divisional matchups or hurt tiebreakers. And they had already been on a winning streak. But Denver buckled down, went into Toronto, and controlled that game pretty much start to finish. So in my opinion, this is not just the best win of the year. This is the most impressive win of the year. And I am thoroughly stunned by the Nuggets being able to go into Toronto and take care of business in the manner in which they did. Um, 
Brandon Ewing of Mile High Sports put out a great stat on Twitter where he said that this was the second lowest point total that the Raptors have been held to all year. That right there is saying something. In addition to that, they shot just 11 of 41 from the three-point line tonight. The Nuggets' defense was why they won, which makes this even more impressive. JR on Twitter. I love this question, by the way, JR. This was great. Um, do you think Malone has improved at managing his rotations and making in-game adjustments? This question is so interesting because, on one hand, Michael Malone has always been better at managing his rotations when he has a shorter rotation to deal with. So having Gary Harris, Will Barton, Isaiah Thomas all hurt has actually made his life easier because there's less decisions to make. With that being said, even when guys are healthy, I, I have not had the same qualms with the minutes that he has given guys, the way that he has gone about his rotation really at all. I think Michael Malone has played Plumlee and Jokic together just enough for when they need him to. I think Malone has played just enough of two point guards together. I think Malone has given Gary Harris some point guard duties and had shooters and everybody else around Nikola. I think he's found defensive lineups that work. I think that he's done a great job of being, I guess, more cool, calm, and collected on the sideline and not making as you know, rash decisions. He's not burning through timeouts. I think overall, Michael Malone has improved in almost every single way, and he has been fantastic. And to his credit, his team, this Denver Nuggets team, has taken on his personality on the floor. And if there's one thing that coaches do, establishing a culture like that and having a team believe in their coach and believe in his schemes and believe in his ability to lead them to where they want to be, that is almost as important as anything. And Michael Malone has done that. And he has all of the young players playing to the highest of their abilities. And it's been very, very good so far. So Michael Malone deserves tons and tons and tons of credit for where this Nuggets team is currently at. Uh, Grant Carey had two questions and they kind of tie into each other. So I wanted to include both of them. Uh, the first one was, do you think the return of Will Barton will help the Nuggets keep double digit leads? And the second one was, is this becoming a trend for the Nuggets or do you expect good teams like Toronto and Portland to come back? I think that both of these questions intertwine because on one hand, yes, when you play good teams like Toronto and Portland, there's always going to be a run that the Nuggets will have to sustain and able to stay ahead in the game. They got to be able to handle those runs from good teams because they are inevitably going to be coming. So I do think that is part of this, but I think Will Barton being there will be a big help for this Nuggets team, specifically because when the offense gets bogged down, Will Barton can individually and single handedly go get you a bucket or at least collapse the defense enough to create an open look for a teammate whether it's a shooter in the corner whether it's a cutting big whatever the situation is will barton can single-handedly take a defense make them scramble which can at least create a high uh, you know a high percentage look for somebody on the floor so i do think that the nuggets being able to hold on to these leads will get easier with Will Barton's return but then again Will Barton is such a complete offensive player pretty much just inserting him will help a lot of the Nuggets issues it'll help the fact that they don't have very many ball handlers it'll help alleviate pressure from Jamal Murray it'll help alleviate pressure from Gary Harris there are so many things that Will Barton does for this starting lineup that I do think that he will help the Nuggets keep double digit leads and be able to start putting teams away earlier than they currently are 
So, in summaration of everything that has happened, the Nuggets are now on a six-game winning streak. They just beat the best team in the Eastern Conference when the Nuggets are ranked as the best team in the Western Conference. Because of the of the win that they had tonight, they now hold on to the lead for the first seed in the Western Conference by virtue of tiebreaker over the Clippers. They are now arguably the second best team in the Western Conference behind the Golden State Warriors, and they're only getting better. They're just now starting to click on offense. The defense has stayed where it is. They're still waiting to get healthy. I mean, I mean, Will Barton is just as important as anybody to this team outside of Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap. Isaiah Thomas can revolutionize his bench and make them even more dominant. And Gary Harris continues to be in and out of the lineup. And they've already beaten some great teams. Out of their wins so far, they've already beaten the Clippers, the Lakers, the Raptors, the Warriors, the Celtics, the Blazers, the Thunder, the Wolves, the Jazz, and the Pelicans. Really, the only upper echelon team that they have not beaten yet is the Milwaukee Bucks, who have, who were surging when Denver was when Denver first met up with them so overall this Nuggets team is blowing guys out of the water and they're really showing everybody that they're a team to be reckoned with and a team to, a team to take very very seriously coming up next they'll be taking on the Orlando Magic after a day off so it'll be Wednesday December 5th and when they take them on they will then have another off day before traveling to Charlotte to take on the Hornets which will be the first game of a back-to-back in which they will finish their five-game road trip on in Atlanta against the Hawks. So that begs the question. The Nuggets are on a six-game winning streak. When will it end? Will it end on this road trip? If the Nuggets... I, I think the Nuggets... Well, if they're going to lose, I think it'll be the second night of a back-to-back in Atlanta, or it'll be against the Magic. I think if they beat the Magic, they'll have enough positive momentum to take on the Hornets. But by that time, they'll take such a toll from just all of the the effort they put out on this road trip to have a back-to-back in Atlanta against a team that is just not very good. That has that spells trap game all over it. Also, they could just overlook the Magic, which would be bad because then going against, going into Charlotte against Kemba Walker, who's been phenomenal this year, will be tough. But I, if the Nuggets can sweep through this road trip, that would just be spectacular. To be on a nine-game winning streak coming back home, that, I mean, <laughs> that would put the Nuggets in a different conversation among the, the league's best, and everybody in the national media would have to pay attention at that point. But overall, just a great night from the Nuggets. Again, they have now they are now a hundred and they won 106 to 103 against the Raptors. They are first in the Western Conference right now. They are third in net rating. They are third in defensive rating, and they are ninth in offensive rating. So they're still holding strong in, t- in top ten of both offense and defense. They're six and seven total. They're seven and four on the road, and they just continually make. To get, or just to rack up great, great wins. They now have the longest winning, active winning streak in the NBA at six games. They ended what was the longest winning streak with the Raptors, who had won eight straight until Denver beat them tonight. So, again, just a phenomenal game from Denver. But 
Thank you so much for listening to the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. We will have more and more of these as we come up. Um, I'm going to try and get Brendan Vogt in here soon. I know I said I was going to get a podcast up with him, but I have not quite gotten around to it. Um, Shouts to Rod Simba and the Regulators Group, or the Regulators Production Group, out on on Instagram for all the beats that they put together for this podcast. Um, The intro, the outro, the intro back in from the ad, all of that is from the Regulators Production Group. You can find them on Instagram, follow Rod Simba who is one third of the regulators on Instagram that's at that is at R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A on Instagram thank you again so much for listening make sure you go um, subscribe on iTunes tell your friends to, to subscribe please rate leave a comment anything like that at all that feedback really helps make sure to follow me on uh, Twitter at TJ McBride MBA if you have any feedback my email is in the bio and you can always just hit me up on Twitter whether it's in DMs or just straight up tweeting at me I'm always around but again thank you guys very much and we'll talk to you again shortly Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark, inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.